My name is Ray Park, you may know me as playing Darth Maul the Phantom Menace, Bone Wars, and also Solo at Star Wars Story. You're listening to Star Wars Stuff Podcast, the force is strong with you all. And remember, sit walk. Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, letting you all know you are listening to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Wishing everybody all the best, and may the force be with you. May the force be with you! Hey, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. My name is David. And I'm Retro Ray. And this is where we talk about all things Star Wars. And before we get started, we do want to recognize our awesome supporters on Patreon, starting with Hayden Hauser, Darth Ace One, Liam McCallion, Chris Simpson, Kevin Leininger, Dev McCaffrey, Drew Peters, Zach Netzel, Fenrir526, Maya Morris, and Maka Talentana. Thank you so much for all your awesome support out there uh, on Patreon, on all of our social media. And we also want to recognize uh, the comic book store that's been providing comics to the podcast for review. Uh, Retro Ray, take away. Yes, sir. Well, we want to give a big shout out to Dragon's Lair Alamo Ranch here in San Antonio, Texas, where you can get everything you need for gaming, comic books, uh, anime. That's a place you want to go. And say hi to Merlin when you're there, by the way. He's a little cat they got in the store as well. So swing by and pick up your comics, get a subscription box. Hey. It's a cool place to hang out. Yes, and that is an Alamo Ranch in San Antonio, Texas. And if you see Rose, tell her we sent you. I've yeah. worked with Rose before with the 501st. She's an awesome person. Very easy to talk to. Very cool. And they own that comic book shop where they do all kinds of different events. And that's where I hung out with Dominic Pace when he came to do a, a signing. It was really cool. Um, so, yeah, check those guys out. So... It's been a while since I've been on the podcast, and there's been a lot, long of, while, a lot of like news tidbits that have dropped. Um, but yeah, thanks for uh, keeping the ship afloat there, Retro Ray. And <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm still learning. And Zach and Colin and Ray and the Bad Batch crew. So the first thing that I want to talk about, as you can see in our title of our show, is of course the Acolytes and this story. Uh, is being brought to you by Bespin Bulletin, and I wanted to read some of it, or most of it. And, of course, we've spoken about it a lot on the podcast. In London, they did show us an amazing trailer. I got goosebumps. By the end of it, I was like, yes, this is fast, this is intense. But the troubling thing is, they didn't release a trailer since then, and it's and it's going to be a year. And we're just so puzzled why they don't just release the trailers a little later on that day for the public. I don't know what's what's the strategy with withholding them from the public. That's the big question. Why do they do that? What what advantage do they gain by withholding this awesome trailer? If anything, this would build the hype tremendously and get people on board with the High Republic, which they keep on dropping novels and comics of. I mean, this this to me is really kind of a win for that. And of course, we take it, it, we all know it takes place at the end of the High Republic. But this story here, it comes from uh, Best of Bulletin, and it's titled uh, Star Wars The Acolyte Reportedly Releasing June 5th, 2024. According to a new report from Collider, the upcoming Disney Plus live-action Star Wars series Acolyte has set a tentative release date of June 5th, 2024. Though Disney did not confirm or deny the reported date when contacted by Collider. So, I'm 90% sure that this is the actual date. Uh, the report from Collider follows an exclusive report of my own from September when I re revealed the High Republic era series was looking to release in the summer of this year. My report from the time also exclusively revealed that Skeleton Crew, a live-action Star Wars series from John Watts and Christopher Ford, had been delayed from fall 2023 to fall 2024 around November, and that Andor Season 2 had been delayed from the summer of 2024 to early 2025. If the reported release date of June 5th is correct, then we could see a trailer for the series releasing sometime in March. Lucasfilm debuted a trailer for the series in April of last year during Star Wars Celebration, but said trailer was not released to the public. The Acolyte, which is set to the Acolyte, which is set during the High Republic era, will follow a former Padawan and her Jedi Master as they investigate a series of crimes, but encounter forces more sinister than what they've imagined. 
The series stars Amanda Stenberg from Bodies, Bodies, Bodies as the lead, as well as Lee Jung Jae from Squid Game, Daphne Keene from His Dark Materials and Logan, Manny Jacinto from The Good Place, Jody Turner-Smith, After Yang, Charlie Bennett, Russian Doll, Rebecca Henderson, Inventing Anna, Dean Charles Chapman from 1917, which I just recently saw, by the way. Carrie Ann Moss, of course, we've seen for decades now, The Matrix, and uh, Margarita Laviva, Daredevil Born Again. So that trailer, I guess, spoiler alert for the trailer that's almost a year old that the public hasn't seen, it starts off with Carrie Ann Moss in in like some type of bar. She's like in a corridor and doesn't whip out a lightsaber, but she goes hand-to-hand combat with, with someone. And it's fast, it's intense. It looks it looked like the Matrix, essentially. So it looked really cool. So Retro Ray, what are your thoughts and feelings about this acolyte news? It's gonna drop essentially middle of the year. Well, for one, I want a trailer. <laughs> I didn't get the luxury of getting to see the trailer, but I wanna see it. I mean, from the story art from the story arc that they, they mentioned that it's supposed to take place that the Jedi's are investigating crimes. That are taking place. I love a crime show. I watch Criminal Minds. I watch Law and Order. I love. I'm just a TV junkie, so I love everything that has suspense, criminals, anything like that. Um, but I love Moss. She's yeah. Trinity to me. I love her in that movie. That she would just perfect. But and then also the new actress that they have in there too, who's played X 23 and Logan, mm-hmm. which supposedly we're hearing she's going to have a cameo in, you know, Deadpool as well, which I hope we do. Um, I want a trailer. I'm hoping this is just me hoping out there that we get a trailer at the end of bad batch. So as the, we get the last episode, maybe they give us a trailer at that point, but that's just me thinking out loud, but I can't wait, dude. I mean, I'm jealous of you. You you know you get to see some of this stuff. So, I mean, ah, just, I don't know. You? What are you thinking about it? Yeah, I just want to uh, say hi to Maka. He's watching us on uh, YouTube oh, nice. there. He says, uh, hey, David, a long time no see. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a little while. I took a little break, a little Star Wars YouTube or podcast vacation. Um, yeah, that, that trailer that we saw in London for the Acolyte was incredible. It was very dark, very, very fast and intense. Like I always like to say, that's George Lucas's famous direction on the original trilogy. Be faster and more intense. This this trailer was fast and intense, man. Like, it looked almost to the point where you would think like a John Wick director directed it. That's how, like fast and intense and dark and moody not not so much gritty but it was just dark and very subdued and almost almost like a noir type feel but that last scene you see all the jedi or you see a lot of jedi in their robes ignite lightsabers all together and that was like the stuff of dreams man and that got a huge cheer from the audience. And I got goosebumps watching that. And it was like, oh my gosh. It's like, this is like it. This is what a lot of people want. And it was it was very exciting. And I was like, okay, well, I think they showed it to us only once. Or maybe they showed it to I can't remember anymore. But I was like, okay, well, once I get back to the hotel room, I'll watch it there. And I'll probably watch it over and over and over again, like everyone else is going to be watching and just dissecting every frame and scene and lightsaber color and alien Jedi that appeared on the screen. Because there was a lot going on, man. There was a lot going on. It was very fast cut, a lot of fast hand-to-hand combat stuff, a lot of people just looking and cutting really quick. And they showed the Andor trailer there, too. That was just not entertaining whatsoever <laughs> but this trailer oh my gosh man i mean it it hopefully it does get released in 4k i know if you go like on tiktok hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you talk or whatever there's like a leak or something and i've seen it and it doesn't do it justice it's it's brilliant i i loved it i i was pleasantly surprised i hope that the tone of the show mirrors what that trailer gave us and if they do that they pull it off it's it's gonna be a home run slam dunk whatever you want to call it so i'm and excited how many, how many episodes are we looking at that they're stating that they were gonna get released uh, I'm not quite sure either six or eight. I mean, that's kind of the standard. Um, but we had a conversation beforehand about the acolyte and I, I, I think you can agree with me, Ray. I mean, we're, we're getting old, man. We're, we're getting, <laughs> we're getting up there in age. I don't want to mess around, man. I mean, this is in the time period of one of the greatest Siths of all time when he was younger in Sheev Palpatine. And he, and he had a master, Darth Plagueis, which is, of course, I think Plagueis' stock has dropped as of late because we're kind of further away from the prequels. Time is passing. I mean, this is prime time to feature those two characters. And I'm hoping that this show, The Acolyte, is maybe like kind of like a Trojan horse to give us those characters in live action and we get that which i don't think it's going to happen but if i was writing lucasfilm like i always like to say that's what i would give because you got to think about these fans too all the fans are growing older getting (laughs) getting more crotchety getting more get off my lawn types i mean we (laughs) we would love to see palpatine do his thing with a different totally different actor my pick would be tom middleston and i think a lot of younger people would love that pick he's he's the number one guy for disney plus for marvel his his loki shows i think they're the highest most viewed and i think highest rated as well so that's my take on it but i mean if they don't go that way of course i mean they're they're trying to establish the high republic this is the end of it and there's going to be a lot of different new characters and you, you could pull off something really great. I think with, the, with a brand new storyline deviating from original trilogy stuff. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my opinion on that, but yeah, the middle of the summer um, for us too, I think time goes by fast. It'll be here before we know it. <laughs> so if I was yeah. a little kid, I would be mad. I'd be like, it's only February, but it'll be here before you know it. So it's, it's not a big deal, but it's strange that the skeleton crew show is, is not going to happen until maybe the fall now, which is, is odd, but 
I think it's the most, the second most expensive show of all time. And now in all the articles, when you read them, it says most expensive L.A. based show, because, of course, the most expensive show is the that Lord of the Rings Amazon show. So, yeah. So what do you think the reasoning for it getting pushed back into 2026? I think the strikes had a lot to do with that. Um, I think there are a few more reasons that we covered last year. I just can't remember them. But um, I think the strike was a big thing. Also, the, the the big reason is I think Disney's trying to change their mindset as well um, in regards to, and I think we'll talk about it in these next stories here, how they're trying to go lower budget on things. And that may have had a, a factor because th- there seems to be some type of I wouldn't say changing of the guard per se, but it feels like they're going to have a brand new mentality going forward. And I don't know how that would really affect them, them dropping these shows later, other than spacing them out accordingly, because if you're going to drop the budgets, you're going to have less shows. And maybe they want to have some type of strategy where they, strategically drop these shows at certain times of the year to properly space out everything. Although it kind of flies in the face of star Wars being dropped twice in 2026 as films. And then once in 2027. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a paradoxical catch 22 contradictory type of thing because they want to save money, but then again, they want to drop these big films. So it's, it's it's an interesting time and i think i think it's i think it's because of the this is just me thinking out because i heard um zachary levi mentioned this like the cw they're cutting all their main shows they're going to uh, reality shows because they're not getting the revenue from you know advertisers like they were before and they're losing money and you think about that from that you know conversation there what are we getting with Netflix and what are we getting with Disney now? We're going to start getting the advertisement on those streaming networks. So I think what they want to do is try to build up that revenue from those advertisements, which we're going to start to get supposedly on these streaming services and build that revenue up. And I think they want to see how that's going to take within the next year or two it transitioning over. But that's just my opinion from the way things are structuring right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we're right in the middle, or maybe towards the end of the streaming wars, kind of like the Clone Wars and Star Wars. <laughs> and yeah. they're trying new and different things. And I think the streaming strategy didn't work as well. Yeah. And it almost feels like these companies were a little naive with that. I mean, dropping day and date films. Like like Dune, for instance, that film was dropped day and date on HBO Max. It was called HBO Max, and it only made three hundred and something dollars, three hundred million dollars at the box office, almost four hundred million. And they re-released Dune this past couple weeks, and it made thirty million dollars, which is unheard of for a movie to have already been released to be re-released and to make. 30 million dollars i think no way home with extra content only made like 16 million so it just kind of shows you that i mean if if the studios want to make money i mean you release films oh yeah and that's a definite fact and it, it was it was nice to stay home i mean of course we all needed to stay home at that time period when of course the 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 pandemic was raging and it, it kind of helped in the whole situation. But I think now it's really time to return to the theaters. And it seems like star Wars is, it's going to do that in a really big way. We got to wait till 2026 and hopefully everything works out and we'll get two films, which I still don't understand that strategy because they did that essentially with the last Jedi and, and solo dropping films six months apart and it didn't work out so well for solo. So, I mean, the, the key is for that first film to be a hit. And of course, 
I think that leads us into our next story with the Mandalorian Grogu film. So, yeah, we'll talk about that. And uh, Maka says, loving the Bad Batch so far. I think everyone is. And Maka also asked on YouTube, uh, are we getting Tales of the Jedi this year? I think that's the plan. They just really haven't announced yeah. um, what uh, what quarter we're going to get that in. So I think we're getting it this year. So, And I don't know if we want to talk about this, Ray. So we, we, ha- we had a guest on. I wasn't on the show, but you were on the show. And they may have revealed that we're, they were on the show. <laughs> Maybe we don't want to say the guest's name. <laughs> Maybe. Even though it, it won't be too hard, if you listen to that previous <laughs> podcast, she, I think she, I think I agree with you. I th- she may have dropped something that we weren't supposed to know. So, uh, yeah, listen to uh, one of our guest podcasts and, and you'll hear it. And this person didn't say remove it or anything, or maybe we're jumping to the conclusions. I don't know, but it, it was a great interview, dude. It, it, yeah, she was phenomenal. I, I'm still on cloud nine with that interview. Um, and the way she mentioned that, you know, Star Wars is family. And it reminds me, before we jump into that, I just saw a movie which I never heard of. I was just flipping through, you know, Paramount and and it popped up with, on Showtime. It's called, uh, let me pull this up real quick. And I never heard of it. And I don't know how I missed this. It's called 52577. And it's... It, it's kind of cheesy to a certain extent, but it's ties around star Wars and it being released and an actor or a kid who wants to be in film and is kind of like a George Lucas type character. And at the end of the movie, he mentions a line where he says, you know, this movie is going to, because he gets to see it supposedly before it officially gets released in theaters. So he, I guess, gets to see the rough draft of it or whatever. And he said, this movie's going to change cinema. And it made me really think about it. And as we're talking Star Wars now, and it made me think that it's true. When Star Wars came out in that time frame, it changed everything. You know, not just the sci-fi genre, but it brought everyone together in a theater where you got a group of people in high school who you've got your geeks, you've got your jocks, you've got your regulars. And, but yet it brought everyone together to go to one theater. You didn't have to be a geek or a nerd. You just went to go see this movie and it brought everyone into a theater to watch it. And I think that's what, Star Wars is still doing to this day. You know what I mean? Yes, there's us hardcore geeks who are Star Wars nerds, but it's also bringing in people who are not to come watch Star Wars. Yeah. Which I think it's doing it to now, to this day. Yeah. The first Star Wars film in 1977, when it dropped, people were watching a miracle. No one had yeah. ever seen anything like that on screen. It looked real. It looked like they went to outer space and filmed this thing. Yeah, and even the model makers and the people that worked at ILM before I, I maybe was even called ILM. Yeah, <laughs> they were asking themselves who worked on this because the way it was all just put together in the end, it just was seamless and it didn't. Nothing ever looked that good before. Yep, and we say it all the time: it was a perfect storm. And yeah, and, and we're still talking about it almost fifty years later. I mean, it changed everything, not just in film, but in pop culture. It changed lives. I mean, we've met so many people now that have Star Wars lives that do nothing but Star Wars 24-7, and that's all they live, eat, drink, sleep. I mean, I've met a lot of people like that, and it's like, wow, it's like a lifestyle. If you're a fan, check this out. Yeah, check this out if you're a fan. Like I said, if not, we wouldn't have David, wouldn't have me. We wouldn't be here talking about this without yeah. this particular movie. So, and I think you did an interview, and I think this was mentioned on that interview on Countdown City Geekcast with Alana Ubach. Uh-huh. She mentioned that someone that she knew went yes. on a blind date, and they were talking about science fiction stuff and stuff they were working on as a, as a filmmaker. And it ended up being that that person that she knew went on a blind date with George Lucas. Yeah. And 
And just imagine the possibilities if she would have stayed with George. Maybe she would have <laughs> convinced him not to do Star Wars. I don't know. You, you just never know about these things. Yeah. I mean, like, very there, there's always these weird sliding doors moments that you just don't know what the possibilities could have been if just one thing changed. You know, what if exactly. they picked a different restaurant to meet at? What, George Lucas, I mean, might have been mugged that night. I mean, you never know, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's true, man. So, that is yeah, true. You just never know how it's all going to play out. So our next topic is Mando and Grogu. And this story is on Bestman Bulletin. The title is How Long Will Star Wars The Mandalorian Grogu Film For? And this is an exclusive. So they say last month, Lucasfilm formally announced The Mandalorian Grogu, a feature film that follows the hit Disney Plus series The Mandalorian. At the time, Lucasfilm only shared that production on that movie would start later this year. But earlier this month, Production Weekly and the FTIA shared that filming on the John Favreau-directed flick is due to begin on June 17, 2024. When covering the reports, I shared that I, I too had heard the month of June being the start window. I can also now add when filming is currently slated to finish. According to my sources, filming on The Mandalorian and Grogu will run from June until October, making it a four-month-long shoot. For comparison, the last season of The Mandalorian Season 3 filmed from late September 2021 until March 2022, a six-month shoot. And that's just for principal photography and reshoots. Pickups did happen later on. If all goes to plan, Lucasfilm will have plenty of time to get The Mandalorian and Grogu ready for a 2026 release. The last season of The Mandalorian spent a year in post-production, and we assumed that the same would happen for The Mandalorian and Grogu, meaning the film could be complete well in advance of the next Star Wars release date on Disney's calendar, May 22, 2026. Disney have confirmed that The Mandalorian and Grogu will release in 2026, but didn't specify when. Even with the two untitled Star Wars movies listed on their 2026 calendar, given that Lucasfilm and Disney have both stated The Mandalorian and Grogu will lead their theatrical slate, you'd assume the film takes the May 2026 window, but at this moment, Disney and Lucasfilm are being non-committal publicly. It also it was also reported by the Insider earlier this week that The Mandalorian and Grogu would release in May 2026, which I kind of lean towards myself. Uh, the Untitled Race Skywalker movie would release in December 2026, and James Mangold's Origins of the Jedi movie would release in December 2027. One thing Jeff Snyder, the Insider, has repeatedly mentioned on the podcast, The Hot Mic, is that Disney is looking to spend less on their films. For example, like we were saying earlier, Snyder has shared that Disney didn't want to pay high fees for the Fantastic Forecast and that the Blade movie would be made for under $100 million. This leads me to this minor tidbit. I'd heard from a singular source that the budget on The Mandalorian and Grogu isn't as high as what a season of The Mandalorian would cost, which is very interesting. The first season of The Mandalorian reported, was reported to cost $15 million an episode. This brings the budget to $120 million for the first season. We don't know if the series became more expensive with each season. You'd assume it would have especially with the season three in particular. It's also been reported the skeleton crew, the upcoming live action series from John Watts is the most expensive LA based star Wars series, the Mandalorian book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka at 136 million. So with that in mind, I'd expect the Mandalorian and Grogu to cost 120 million dollars or less. Personally, I'm happy that Disney are seemingly making their films for a more reasonable price, especially following a turbulent year at the box office. It's likely going to become the new normal in Hollywood that these blockbusters would cost less than what they did in previous years. It's been reported that Universal's Fast and the Furious 11 would cost less than $200 million. That might seem like an incredibly high number, and it is, but the last film in the franchise cost over $300 million. It's not 2019 anymore, when it seemed a new film was crossing a billion dollars every few weeks. Movies and movie theaters in general are making less money and than they did pre-pandemic. With a budget of $120 million or less, it means that it's easier for The Mandalorian Grogu to become profitable, even if it made solo a Star Wars story money at the box office, which it very well might. It would stand to make money. The Mandalorian had $120 million spread across eight episodes 
and looked pretty good with all things considered. 120 million on a two hour long, obviously, this is just an estimate, is more than enough, in my opinion. I agree with that as well. As for the fourth season of Mandalorian, I have no idea what's happening with that. There's been conflicting reports regarding its status. Whether the Mandalorian and Grogu is releasing in place of it is a bore. It as more of a streamlined season four, or if it stands as a follow-up to the fourth season. We don't have those answers. But at this time, all signs currently point towards it just being the Mandalorian Grogu entering production in just four months' time. I don't see the fourth season being filmed and completed ahead of the start of the Mandalorian Grogu, even if it were less episodes, and I think we would have heard rumblings in regards to filming on a fourth season from reputable reporters. Personally, I'm happy that we're only getting Mandalorian and Grogu. If the feature film is a streamlined version of a planned fourth season, then I'm all for it. I don't dislike the third season of the Mandalorian, but I feel as if that season could have benefited from a more streamlined approach. And I take that feeling with me when I'm thinking about possibilities regarding a fourth season, the Mandalorian and Grogu. Anyway, if there's any more updates on Mando and Grogu, we'll be here to share it. So... What do you think about all that information, Ray? Mando, Grogu, get a film for about four months, being cheaper than than a complete season. Well, it gets me thinking why Skeleton Crew first cost so much to film. Because what are we expecting in Skeleton Crew? What is it supposed to be focused around a group of, you know, what, like, pirates i guess or what is it the main story is supposed to be about uh little kids it's it's gonna be like almost like a amblin film like et in a way but is it are we gonna see a bunch of starships i'm wondering if that's the reason why budget's so high because it feels like that it's it's gonna be a a lost in space type adventure with kids and jude law (laughs) (laughs) so i can i can see now why okay so i i'm like i'm expecting that we're gonna get a lot of space battles with ships and stuff like that so i can see where the budget went and one of the kids is i think is an orderland a, a blue elephant like our mascot there in our logo <laughs> and uh, we got to see that trailer in london and it looked incredible and the orderland kid had two arms two legs and he's running around and his trunk was moving and it looked real okay i have to ask how was colin's reaction I turned to him, and his eyes were the widest I've ever seen. <laughs> and he was like, he wanted to jump out of his chair, I think, when he saw that character. So, Wow. Yeah. Nice. Well, I mean, I can see that. I mean, getting back to when I watched this little movie I just watched, and one of the things is this guy gets a tour of Lucas Studios before while they're filming Star Wars. So you see the models, you see the blue screen, you see the Millennium Falcon in front of the blue screen. You see the, the, you know, the X-Wings and stuff like that, the models and everything. And to me, you know, I love the model shit. I mean, that, don't get me wrong. I like this, the screens, you know, the CGI, everything like that. But why can't we have both? You know, half and half, find them, find the medium ground. I understand it costs more money to make the models and stuff like that, but we got three 3D printers now. I mean, you could, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the approach with Mando season one when they did the behind the scenes at uh, Chicago Celebration there. Um, <laughs> they talked about how people were 3D printing parts and then John Knoll had his camera making passes by the ship, the Razor Crest. And they, you can see it on YouTube and you can see all the different elements they did for the engines and for, I think, Starfield and all the different passes they did. And they matched it all up and it looked like old school Star Wars. And people were just ooing and awing in Chicago in the crowd. And I mean, that was like, to me in my head, I was like, they get it. They, they, they get how to make Star Wars. And episode one gets a lot of guff from people because they think it's nothing but green screen. But episode one had the most practical effects out of any any one of the movies. It was just, I think, the green screen stuff and digital stuff was was celebrated. And, of course, Jar Jar and all the other CGI characters that were there. Um, but it does come down to dollars and cents, I think. And... Yeah. Um, that's that's gonna be what rules and what usually rules. I mean, the article did state 2019 was was a year where one film was 300 million dollars. I mean, that's 
that's almost suicide. I mean, unless it's called Infinity War or Endgame, yeah, you don't <laughs> want to make the mil- uh, the, the film three hundred million dollars. So coming in under one hundred twenty million, it's fine. Um, Gareth Edwards, who directed Rogue One, Star Wars alum, he just did an incredible looking film called The Creator for eighty million dollars. I think he came in under budget, and it looks incredible. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it personally, but dude, you still it, haven't seen it. No, dude, it's on for and it's on uh, Disney Plus. <laughs> yes, I was just gonna say, how you not seen it yet? No, it's great. It's it's the special effects are great. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have been able to tell that they just used that one type camera to film all the scenes. You yeah, know it's I mean? a camera you can pick up off the shelf for like three k. Yeah, yeah, and it, it it just it's a great movie, special effects wise, story wise. Um, but I can see, you know. Like, okay, this is Star Wars, but I'm going to mention Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle got made, what was it, like 114 million is what they spent? Or under 104? It was around there, right? I, I know the director came in under budget and under yeah. schedule, and which was which is great. I mean, it, yeah. It was a great film, too. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The special effects were great. I mean, yeah. I mean, everything that he did for what he had to spend, I thought it was great, even with the suit. And the and the, the digital stuff, the beetle bug, you know, ship. So I think if you can utilize your money wisely, you can accomplish it. It's just some of these directors get spoiled and then they try to ask for ridiculous things. Because there's one of these scenes when we're watching this movie that the five for 25, uh, 77. It's funny. He walks by... Uh, luke's land speeder and the kid looks at it and he goes oh that's the six billion dollar man sitting in the in the figure he goes yeah we use whatever we can to put in this in the movie so it's like literally they were grabbing whatever they could to make these ships and the figures you know what i mean and mind you of course this was back in the day but now the things that we have at our disposal is ridiculous these 3D printers, there's this one person on TikTok I saw. She created um, Darth Vader's sh- ship, and it came in two pieces. She glued it together and did everything. Kit, little Starfighter, she made them and everything with 3D printing. And she literally just, like, hung it up in her ceiling. It looks so cool. All 3D printed. And I was like, dang, you can do a lot with these 3D printers, man. I'm like, I'm just kind of shocked. Yeah, you really can do a lot. Um, I just well, Colin's got really. one. Yeah, Colin is 3D printing a lot of stuff, and it is, it is an incredible time that we're in. And my prediction, I think four or three years ago, was that by the beginning of next decade, we're going to see a Star Wars film that was created for fans by fans. Yes, that's going to be indistinguishable from what Lucasfilm is giving us. And I think. Since then, I've changed my prediction. I think by the end of this decade, we're going to get a great Star Wars film by the fans. And who knows what's going to happen with that uh, in regards to copyright and legal. But I think it's going to happen. I think we're right on the verge. And I I would love for the fans to join forces and make something incredible. There's, There's a fan film. I mean, speaking of low budget going as low as he possibly can there is a fan film that takes place at the battle of hoth where there's one pilot for the rebellion and then there's a snow trooper and they both get separated from from their battalions from the garrisons and they end up in the hostile wasteland that is hoth and snow planet of course we all know that and off in the distance one of them recognizes the other and tries to snipe the other, I believe. I hope I still remember it. And then they're both made aware of each other. And then it's basically a two-character film that you see. I'll have to look up the name of it, but it was really good. It was an older actor. It, I think it was two older actors. And, of course, the Rebel the rebel had the speeder helmet so you could see his face. But, of course, the Snowtrooper... I don't think you could see that character's face. And I think it was revealed at the end. Or maybe my head just created something 
out of all the time that's gone by. But I want to say the snow trooper ended up being a female, a young female. And then I think the, the rebel had the upper hand. I, I might just be making this up now, but I think the, <laughs> the rebel pilot had the upper hand. And then when he found out it was a young girl, he decided not to execute. And they kind of had to work together to get through the harsh winter there on, on Hoth, the forever winter. So I want to see Lucasfilm do something like that. I want to see some creativity with only a few dollars being put towards it. And well, dude, you just, you speaking about this, you showed me this trailer about this game that they're going to be doing. Dude, yeah. that detail. I mean, I don't know if our fans have seen this yet, but to me, this is, if this is a fan who's working in this type of industry and, you know, creating gaming, dude. Okay. Of course I'm a, you know, I'm, I used to be a gamer. I haven't played in a good while. But the graphics to what I saw, what you showed me, the mm-hmm. details from the trees, the buildings, the Razor Crest. I mean, it just was sick. I mean, this guy should be working for Lucas if he isn't. <laughs> yeah. And we're in the very, very beginnings of, of AI creation, where AI actually creates things that are indistinguishable. And it's, it's moving the technologies progressing so quickly now that AI might beat the fans uh, for creating a Star Wars film, a really good Star Wars film. And it's going to be just simply all created from AI. You know, it's coming. It's just a question of when and how fast we're going to let AI progress. Why don't we just call it Skynet? What it, what it's supposed to be called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that goes back to, to uh, the movie that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Dune. In Dune, in that story, they completely abolished all AI because they had their own AI war in that story. So now you have those guys that are mentats that are like human computers because they don't trust AI. And, I mean, AI is scary, man. (laughs) I think I saw an image. I think there was a, a piece of software where you would just simply type in what you wanted to see. They did it in 2023, and then they did it this month. And what they typed in this month that matched what they typed in last year looked totally different and totally realistic where you could not distinguish it from reality. So it's getting kind of scary, man. There there needs to be... I think the laws that we're making aren't... and, And the lawmaking systems aren't fast enough to catch up with what is being what is taking place right now which is maybe a whole nother oh yeah it's, podcast it's, it's, to talk about this oh yeah it's it's basically the streaming wars no one predicted the streaming war thing coming down or happening you know no one saw this taking place no one you mean yeah. there was rumors about it but you know it just happened fast and look where we're at now i mean i, I don't have cable I have streaming. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm the same for you. You, you know, yeah, we're, I, I'm you know, coming we're, up on 10 years of no cable. Yeah. So and don't get me wrong. I like that because I hated you had these hundred something channels and you didn't watch all these hundred something channels. You maybe watched six out of this, you know, out of the hundred yeah. on a regular basis. So I yeah. be honest with you, I, I'm not arguing. I like it, you know, and it's cool that you could pick what you want. And it's like going to the, you know, fast food restaurant say, okay, I want this, I want that, I want that, and I'm going to pay for that. You know what I mean? Slowly but, becoming cable, though. <laughs> All these companies are buying each other, and they're yeah, that's true too. I got rid of Netflix like four months ago, because it was just yeah. too much. I have a 4K yeah. TV, and I don't want to pay for 1080p Netflix on a 4K TV, and I think on 4K, it's like $35 a month or something. Which Yeah, I don't know. I did, I did, we just have the standard version for it. And be honest with you, I've been watching more Paramount and Disney Plus. I, yeah. Oh no, and Peacock. I've been watching Peacock too. So, but between those are the three streaming services that I'm really watching the most. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So moving on to the next story here. So respawn. So Ray mentioned the the yes the actual gameplay that I he saw right before the podcast. And if you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube. X 
Uh, you can see a picture of what Ray was referring to. This was created by a fan. And uh, there's a story here on Bestman Bulletin that I'm going to read here. It's entitled Respawn Reportedly Developing a First-Person Star Wars Video Game Featuring a Mandalorian, which, to me, this should have been done a while back, but I'm not in charge. Uh, according to a new report from Tom Henderson via Insider Gaming, Respawn Entertainment, the developer behind Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and Star Wars Jedi Survivor, are developing a title that will see players take control of a Mandalorian bounty hunter character. According to the Insider Gaming Report, players will embark on quests to capture bounties for cash rewards. The currently untitled first-person shooter video game will have an emphasis on mobility and style, according to tidbits from another reliable insider, Jeff Grubb. Insider Gaming added that the game is very fast-paced and that the mobility that Grubb spoke of will come in the form of the Mandalorian's jetpack, which will allow players to perform various maneuvers, such as horizontal dashing, vertical jumping, boost sliding, and much more. The report goes on to say that the players will be rewarded for their stylish play, with an example being that the player's health will be regenerated based on successive kills. As you'd expect with a game featuring Mandalorian's character, the bounty hunter will have an array of gadgets and weapons that reportedly includes items such as a grappling hook, an enemy tagging visor, wrist rockets, and many more. The game reportedly has linear levels and will not be an open world title. Neither the insider gaming report or the tidbits from Jeff Grubb mention the name of the Mandalorian bounty hunter players will control. It's known if it's a game based on the hit Disney Plus series The Mandalorian. Meaning users would play as Din Djarin, or if it's a new and original character made for the game, I would expect it to be the latter. But there has been no confirmation either way. I also believe the report from Insider Gaming as a couple of months ago, I heard from a singular person that the game would feature users playing as a bounty hunter, which is what the Insider Gaming report claims. The Untitled Respawn game currently does not have a release date or window, and the Insider Gaming report also did not share any details in that regard. Though it seems at least a year or two away. So, Ray, what are your thoughts on a possible Mandalorian game? From if it could be as good as what we saw in this trailer that you had posted, um, I'm a big Halo fan, and seeing you know your your fighting aliens, you know, trying to complete the missions. Each each levels are missions. Of course, yes, you had online play you know, and stuff like that. But I always played it for the story and the cutscenes and stuff like that. So that's what I played Halo for. If it could be something like that, I'm in a hundred percent because, you know, I loved completing missions, looking for stuff. Same thing with Gears of War. Gears of Wars had the same scenario. You were following a mission, you know, and looking for dog tags, little things like that. And um, then, of course, you had your online play stuff like that but to me i always played for the stories that and the cutscenes because it was it was like watching a movie when you were playing because once you did a certain thing then it would you get like a three or four minute video before you started your next thing or so yeah I, i'm if it could be that i'm 100 percent in and i may get a new xbox or depending what system it comes out in because my last one i got to 360 i haven't gotten anything newer because there was nothing really that caught my eye. Yeah, apparently I think Xbox is going to make a new console that's that's going to be another big leap in technology. Yeah. Yeah, I you? think I think me and you are kind of on that same same level with with gaming. Um I I love Halo gameplay. I I love Gears of War gameplay. Um I had some of my most memorable times playing those games and if they would be able to make you switch between maybe three different types of gameplay you could do the first person very linear non-open yeah. world and this article says it's going to be a non-open world game which i'm fine with quasi open world i think would be fine um just not allowing you to go to certain spots but still be really dynamic and very interesting uh, i yeah. think they could pull that off um, but going first person, going third person play, um, like Gears of War, I think yeah. that'd be cool. And I think it'd be really cool if we could see a prequel to 
the first season of the Mandalorian and see those adventures obtaining the razor razor crest is adventures with those uh from the i think the name of that episode was prisoner for yeah. season one where he uh goes back and uh does does a uh a breakout um with uh Xion and and get those characters back maybe get bill burr back i mean that would be awesome um so i i think it's weird that they haven't attempted a Mandalorian type game yet. It's like what what are, what is Lucasfilm waiting for? I mean, to me, it, it feels like they're just waiting too long for certain things, and it's like just you can print money off of this thing. I mean, it's a slam dunk, like I always say. I mean, a Mandalorian game, you do a prequel, then you can do a sequel where he has Grogu, and then you can play as Grogu. You know, I mean, you can jump between being Din and Krogu. I mean, it'd be awesome. Well, I mean, you got to think about it though, too. Right now, Xbox is in the middle of possibly giving us a new console. They're also re-releasing games that they have created for Xbox only to now release in PlayStation and other game formats um, from old things. I think like Battlefront was one of them, right? That's going to be available on PlayStation. So I think they're trying to I think they're trying to do what Sony and Disney are doing. Try to share in the the profitability because Xbox, if it lets their titles be played on PlayStation now, well, they're getting more money. PlayStation is getting money because they already got current people. So I think it's they're learning to somewhat play together, I guess you can say. Because um, that was one of the biggest things that I always used to, I didn't like about it, where if you wanted to play Resident Evil, you had to go on PlayStation. You couldn't play it on Xbox. Or if you wanted to, you know what I mean? It, it was either or you want to play Halo. It's only Xbox, not PlayStation. So it was constantly you're having to go back and forth. You couldn't play Universal. Like if you were playing Halo, you could have played it on a computer and on Xbox. You know what I mean? So it's kind of hard to see. And I think Disney, because it takes a while to put a game together. Because you've got to work out the bugs, build out the world, the story. And I'm thinking that's just like making a movie. I think it actually takes at least three to four years longer to put something like that together before you can put a game out. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how long it takes to, to make a big-time video game, but I don't think it's three to four years. I think it's relatively the same amount of time it takes to do a movie and complete a movie, I think. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, because you got to do industry, Yeah, you got to do betas. Because if you do, because I don't remember, I don't know if you remember. Did you ever get like early access to like Halo, where mm-hmm. you're able to play like early stages, and then there you were playing the beta, and then you would kind of report back if you had issues with this or that. Mm-hmm. They're kind of trying to figure out what had issues and stuff. Because I got, I was lucky to be able to play the beta for Halo. Uh, I think the second one, but yeah. They got to do that. They got to work out the bugs. In the movie, you can't. You don't have that issue with movies, so I think that's what takes the longer, you know, especially especially the the rooms. Because I remember there was like a football game that I before it was an ESPN game that was trying to compete with Madden. The, the graphics Peyton Manning game. No, it was ESPN something um, where you can actually see from the view from the helmet and stuff. It was old oh, man. This is back when the day, um, but when it came out. You got the game, and then like the first week of it coming out, the servers crashed because they couldn't com- hold everybody that bought the game. They weren't expecting that many people to jump on at once to play yeah. online. But yeah, the, the gaming yeah. thing is so different. Yeah, the gaming thing has more money too. It's bigger than the movie industry. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's so many games being being made that I mean, you have to have you have to find time. Like Respawn is a big game company, and they're making stuff nonstop. Um, but you would figure if it's something as big as a Mandalorian, they would be able to allocate time and resources to actually create a Mandalorian game, which I think kids would eat up. They would love. Um, and it's just weird how it's not. If anyone in chat has an idea why they didn't create a Mandalorian game back in 2019 after 
after season one was such a huge hit and after Grogu was such a ginormous hit. I mean, let us know. But to me, it's 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 weird. It's weird how we don't have a Mandalorian game. Um, and back then, of course, we just talked about money. And back in 2019, the money was flowing. So I don't know. It's it's kind of a mystery to me. But um, it is what it is. True. So the next thing we want to talk about here is our favorite director. Not movie director, but director in Star Wars. Director Krennic. And it's kind of surprising. Um, this story comes to us uh, via StarWarsNewsNet.com. The title of the story is Ben Mendelsohn says he has not been asked to reprise his role his role as director Krennic in Andor, which is super surprising. In, an, in a new interview with Italian publication Bad Taste and with the help of comicbook.com, Ben Mendelsohn revealed that he has not been recently asked to return to Star Wars. The Andor Season 2... Uh, with Andor Season 2 having officially just wrapped filming, Mendelssohn's comments essentially rule out any possibility of director credit showing up for Andor Season 2. Or he could be lying. I mean, that's happened before. Uh, sure. Even though Ben Mendelssohn expresses interest in returning to his Rogue One character, he states that Lucasfilm has not contacted him recently about reprising his role. The last time Mendelssohn portrayed director Krennic was in the Bad Batch Season 2. As for being, uh, he says, as for being contacted by Lucasfilm for a new project, I can tell you that no, I have not been approached for something like this. And yes, it would be great to see him, Krennic, again somewhere. But for now, everything stops here. But as far as I'm concerned, I would be very willing to explore it further and significantly in that world. I never expected to play a character like that. But then again, I never expected to become an actor either. For me, they're all wonderful things. Uh, the article continues to state, however, Mendelssohn believes that there is still ample room and opportunity for Krennic to reappear in some way. He cites the character's ambition and backstory as a reason to go back and explore the character even further. Ben Mendelssohn states, I think Krennic has a tremendous amount of things left to give to the audience. What we need to understand about the character like Krennic is that if he had the chance, he would have tried to take over the entire game. And it seems to me that this aspect has yet been explored sufficiently. On Friday, actor Diego Luna announced that Andor Season 2 had officially wrapped principal photography. The new season is slated to bring viewers right up to the beginning of Rogue One. Uh, this meant characters that appear in Rogue One could also appear in the latest season. Showrunner Tony Gilroy even confirmed as much, but Mendelssohn's comments seem to indicate director Krennic will not appear in Andor. Andor Season 2 is set to release in 2025 on Disney+. So what do you think about that, Ray? Is he lying? Is he telling the truth? Okay, you, you go back to, of course, it's for Star Wars Stuff Podcast, but we're talking um, Marvel. You know, when we saw Professor Xavier, the shadow of him, you know, in the background, and every time they were asking him, "Are you? is that you? Are you coming back? And, you know, he was saying, oh, no, I haven't, I'm not, I haven't filmed anything. I haven't done it. So, yeah, the actors can lie. So... It's 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 been it's happened. Uh, I'm hoping that he did film and we do see him again. Um, but yeah, actors have lied about it, so I'm interested to see if he did, you know, reprise his role at all. But we don't know what we're gonna find out when it, you know, it airs. It is kind of weird because it was like we were promised that Krennic would be back, and K2SO would be back. Yeah, way back in the investment day call time period. So it's kind of weird that he's saying he's not going to be in it. So I don't know. It would be very strange. But then again, like we pointed out, they're trying to save money. Maybe that was one of the cost cutting measures was to just not hire Ben Mendelsohn, who's a more regarded actor um, and probably way more well paid at this point in time. And he was probably asking for maybe too much. Then, of course, we didn't see Alan Tudyk as K2SO in the first season of Andor. So, there's True. that. Yeah. Which I want to see him, though. I like him. I like that character. Yeah, yeah. I, I think back always to 20... I believe it was 2017 celebration, which was in London. And he walked out as director Krennic with um with the death troopers 
and it was it was really cool to see that and i thought to myself at that point it's like are they pushing this guy a little too much on us uh, having him kind of walk out in all his in in his official uh, costume from the movie the death troopers look cool they always look cool to me i thought those were always going to be a big hit but ben mendelson at the time i wasn't quite sure but he knocked it out of the park man he is another i think fan favorite and i think in general most fans are going to want to see him back as director Krennic. so true so yeah i'm reading the comments here <laughs> <laughs> someone's saying something on face i don't know who it is on facebook but uh yeah so and or season two are you hyped for it all yeah i want to see what happens i want to see what the outcome is going to be and how it's going to tie to the rest of the stories in some point or form you know what i mean so yeah i'm very interested for it yeah. what about you Someone on Facebook says, so hyped. So, that first season of Andor, I, I it's, I don't want to say it's like a love-hate relationship I have with it, but it, it's Star Wars, but it's not the common format that Star Wars was introduced to us. I mean, no, it's darker, it's grittier, it's more adult, that whole thing, which I'm all for. But it felt like something was missing. I'm not quite sure if it was the music or what. It was like it was like making making food. I mean, it felt like something was missing. Um, I'm a huge fan of Andy Serkis, a huge fan of Diego Luna, and I'm I'm super thrilled that Lucasfilm asked him back to to be a part of a new series and he basically carried it. He was a main character, even though it was a huge ensemble cast and we got to meet some terrific actors. Um, someone in Facebook says that it was missing lightsabers. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I rogue one was missing lightsabers and up until the end. Uh, and I thought it was just fine. I, I don't think it was that. It was, yeah. There's star Wars is very much its own genre. And I think, John Favreau said it best in that when creating Star Wars, you don't copy George Lucas's work in Star Wars. You don't copy what's been done before in Star Wars. You look to what influenced Star Wars and use that as a guide. And I think that's why The Mandalorian had the huge success that it actually did have. True. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with it. Um, I just thought it was a different it was in the Star Wars, taken in the Star Wars universe, but it was just a different spin. And we're seeing how much dark the Empire was, you know what I mean? And what they were doing to, to accomplish what they were wanting to get done. Um, and how they were using people to get their work done for them, basically. And using prisoners to accomplish it, you know? And same thing with Star Wars Rebels, where they were using planets own people to manufacture the ships for the Empire. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's it's a different spin to it. Yeah. The connectivity in the end, though, with the Death Star. I mean, when I saw when they were making stuff in yeah. such a like regimented assembly line type fashion, I was like, man, they might be making the laser on the Death Star. <laughs> they might be making... Casting Andor might be assembling the weapon that kills him, which which is very poetic and very horrifying. But yeah, that's that's what the Andor series is, and what Tony Gilroy has crafted, which is very very. And then Stellan Skarsgård character as well, uh, Luthen Rail. I mean, how he did not get nominated or win awards for that character it's kind of beyond me but major awards I, I think he did win some awards but it felt like he should have been nominated in some of the bigger award shows well it's basically popularity a lot of it's popularity popularity vote you know what i mean 
because if you look at the most recent award, I think Pedro Pascal won on one last. I forgot what it was last night. I think the SAG the last award. Of us. Yeah, the SAG. Yeah, SAG award. So, but he didn't win the other previous Golden Globe or, you know what I mean? So a lot of it from what I've heard in Hollywood is you have to go out there and promote yourself so that you can try to win this award, you know, get, get out there and be in the interviews and stuff like that. And I think Pedro, if you saw on a couple of this, those red carpets, he had hurt his shoulder. Um, yeah. So I don't think he was able to go out and promote himself as much because of that. So I think that's a possibility of it is reason why as well, but it's a Hollywood thing, man. Yeah. And that's all I got for this show. Uh, did you have anything else, Ray? Oh, just uh, guys, if you guys haven't bought your tickets, they did make another guest announcement for Dallas, and they will be a, bringing out, you know, James Arnold Taylor, Obi Wan Kenobi. So yeah, they're going to be not too. Yeah, yeah, Vanessa Marshall, and I believe Taylor Gray, right? Yeah, and they also announced Ahsoka as well. Ashley. Ashley Eckstein, okay. Yeah. And I think they got some more guests to announce as well. But yeah, if you haven't bought your tickets, go out there and buy your tickets. Uh, it's going to be a fun show. We will be out there. Um, you can buy and come by and say hi. Uh, hopefully, we'll have maybe stickers to give away or something, but we'll see in, in July. Yep. And that is in Plano, Texas. Yes, sir. It's going to be fun, man. And it's a city I've spent a lot of time in. <laughs> so, yeah. And I just want to remind everyone, if you're listening to us on audio here, uh, even on video, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, um, we have some really cool interviews with Vanessa Marshall, Tom Spina, and um, the owner of Legion Sabers. So check all those out. They're really good interviews, and they're all up already. You can listen to them. And for Retro Ray... My name is David, and may the force be with you. Always.